Have you been stressed, anxious, or worried? Have you felt pangs of loneliness in recent times? Are you longing for greater connection with others in the world around you? In a phrase, are you looking for happiness? You are not alone. Millions of others are seeking this feeling of spiritual, mental, and physical wellness too. This podcast explores the underlying causes of unhappiness and shares with us the secrets of rewriting the frequent thoughts and redirecting the common behaviors that keep us in that state. Join forensic psychologist and best-selling author Dr. Nihal and her guests as they dive deep in the realm of psychological wellness and explore ways of finding happiness on demand. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Jaggi Rao, who is a pioneer in his field. I don't know if you know this, but he's a double board certified dermatologist in Canada and also in the USA. He's a certified cosmetic surgeon, completing his fellowship with the Academy of Cosmetic Surgery in Southern California. He has a significant number of accolades in the realm of research, teaching and cosmetic surgery. In 2011, he was the recipient of the Avenue Magazine Top 40 Under 44 for his creation of Consulderm. That is Canada's largest teledermatology platform. Did you know that? He sits on the board of the Canadian Association of Aesthetics Medicine, is a consultant to government on laser safety, the pharmaceutical industry, and professional sports teams. He's the founder and leader of Dermicon, Canada's largest dermatology conference for family physicians and pharmacists. He's also the creator of Aesthetics Medicine Training Academy. Dr. Rao has established a cohesive curriculum to teach many professionals the art of injectables and the science of lasers. He's a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Alberta. On a personal note, he's married to a fantastic woman, Dr. Namita Rao, who is a geriatric physician, and together they have two sons and a daughter. Allow me to introduce you to Dr. Rao. Jaggi, if I may call you Jaggi, I have a question. Here it is. A couple of years ago, you mentioned to me in passing that dermatologists seem to be a happy group. And it got me to thinking, I wonder why? What's the magic that you guys have? Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, that that is a bit of a loaded question, Joan. There's so much, so many reasons, but I, I'd be happy to to share it with you. Yes. Um, first of all, thank you for that kind introduction. I wish my my mother was here to hear that. Oh yes, it's a truth. Way too kind. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. I, so I've been a dermatologist now. This is my twentieth year of uh, practicing dermatology. Um, before that, I was a resident for five years, and I was a fellow in California for an additional year. So I've uh, been in this field for a long time. And I, I can say with certainty that it's one of the most happiest professions in in uh, medicine, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe just generally, you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy. Uh, I feel quite privileged to be in this field for several reasons. Uh, one is that unlike uh, other fields of medicine, we deal with happier things. So, you know, and, and, and I respect uh, all fields of medicine, especially the ones that save lives. But in dermatology, we don't necessarily save lives, but we improve the quality of life. So we're talking about things that um, people want rather than they necessarily need, you know. So uh, we, we do a little bit of both. We do medical dermatology, but there's also this huge aesthetic, cosmetic and psychological part of it 
that is huge, you know, and uh, I tell my my residents that I teach, you know, we, we could uh, save somebody's heart from failing and people will be thrilled. But if you go ahead and you you clear their skin from, say, acne or uh, rashes such as eczemas and psoriasis or even improve something that has been bothering them aesthetically, then we have some of the happiest people in the world. So by nature, what we're doing is a little bit happier. It's not um necessarily life-saving but it's quality improving and and that that helps people the other thing is uh if you are the right personality for dermatology and that you're a people person there's a lot of communication that's involved so unlike fields like radiology or or even pathology where you're dealing with specimens and and x-rays uh we deal with humans and you know the skin being the the largest organ and the most visible organ is associated with a lot of psychology and uh as a result the ability to make them happier and uh improve their life is is really a, a big thing it shouldn't be taken lightly and i certainly don't um a good example is if we can clear people's skin when they're young we can sometimes not only make them happier during that period but maybe even alter their their career course or their life course give them the confidence they need to to go ahead and and thrive and and do things they never would have thought of otherwise you know because of insecurities that are there so this is the kind of medicine we're in also our our field of medicine in dermatology isn't restricted to just women or just children indeed i see everybody with skin which is from uh, infants newborns right up to senior citizens I see males and females. I see uh, people who are rich and poor. I see people with uh, literally all different skin types and creeds and colors and philosophies. And in order to uh, really make them feel better and, and do better, it, it requires a certain skill. So, so all of that come together. Plus, we get to use our hands, which is great. You know, there, in, in other fields, it's either you're in internal medicine dealing with, with, uh, thinking issues or you're a surgeon where you're doing physical things. Dermatology is the full name of the specialty is dermatology and dermatologic surgery because we do fine little things, you know, fine motor things that are very, very nice. Sometimes we don't want to see, you know, 50, 60 people a day. We want to sit there and just focus on one issue with our hands. So that hand eye coordination and manipulation is, is very good and we, we can mix it. Uh, finally, uh, the, there's a business component to dermatology that we often don't see in other fields. Uh, in that regard, we're very much like a dentist. You know, we can operate in a hospital with colleagues and you have that collaboration, or you can have your own private practice similar to a psychologist where we're, where there is a business aspect because we, we have to keep the lights on and keep our, our employees paid and, and so forth. And so there's that business part of it that we often don't see in other fields. So we're, we're talking about biology, psychology, surgery, business, you name it, we we seem to encompass all of that. And that's what I love so much about it. I think one of the things that you're saying, Dr. Rao, that you do as well is you facilitate people's growth because as they feel more confident, they can venture out and do things that they probably didn't think that they had the ability to because of skin. And people seem to think that skin is such a superficial thing. And I happen to disagree. I think skin is very important because what you present with is so important in terms of feeling good about yourself and then presenting yourself that way. So I think you do a lot of good for patients in terms of facilitating their happiness 
Would you agree? Yeah, I would 100% agree. And then also, we, we shouldn't forget about symptoms. For example, itch and pain in the skin. Um, itch is something that we don't think about. But imagine, you know, if you're if you're scratching and you're itching, you can't sleep. And that lack of sleep can lead to irritability and, and other issues, even internal issues as well. So we, we deal with all of that as well. So there, there is medical aspects to it. And also um, skin, hair and nails. We don't just deal with skin. But, you know, imagine your hair was falling out. Um, this is in our wheelhouse of specialty. So we can stop that from happening in most cases. Same thing for nail issues. So we deal with all of that, too. Have you found sometimes that when people focus too much on the external, that it could be a problematic? Yeah, we do see quite a bit of that. And, and you know, uh, you're right. I mean, in, in a couple of different ways, uh, your your internal problems or even uh, supertentorial issues can, can manifest in the skin. So we see people who uh, have scratched themselves. They are the cause of their skin issues in, in some cases. Um, sometimes it's a manifestation of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Sometimes uh, they, they uh, have delusions, frankly. They feel that, you know, they either self worth is low, or they have, uh, they're focusing on one specific aspect and magnifying uh, that that they think is erroneous or, or not uh, what it should be. And it, it's a very sad situation, but we can help them with it. And sometimes we have to seek uh, uh, colleagues to assist, for example, psychologists. Yes, I know that uh, Janice Lau would send me patients with trichotillomania. No, the hair pulling one, right? Yeah, uh, call it would be OCD, and it's really tough, right? But so I think they they come together the psychological and the physiological. I talk about happiness being the new healthy. And what about your personal insights that you want to share with our group, our listeners, our avid listeners, on your insights on happiness? Because you're quite the pioneer. Oh, you're so sweet uh, to say that. Um... I don't know. You know, I, th I think uh, the, some of it is being happy with what you have, um, you know, and I think, you know, you it's not just that you're happy or unhappy. As you know, there there's different degrees of it. So we, we jokingly say, you know, I, I like to treat people who are already happy and maybe make them a little bit more happy if yes. it's possible. But I think there has to be that baseline happiness. Uh, one of the things we do uh, when I see a patient is I'll divide them up into medical versus purely aesthetic. So purely aesthetic means that they, they've come in and there's absolutely no medical part of it. Uh, they just simply want to look better a uh, particular aspect of their, their body or skin. And in those cases, then I, I also uh, assess, one, can I do it? Uh, is it something that's possible? And then two is, will they actually be happy? So this is something that I, I assess. And, and I also factor in my happiness too, because, you know, I, maybe I can make them happy temporarily, but is their personality such that eventually they won't be and then they'll be complaining about it? Or is it something that, you know, they might be um, finding fault with themselves after two weeks, right? And then we, they, we might have to alter it. For example, um, you've heard of fillers and Botox, right? It, it, that's a classic example where a lot of my colleagues don't like to do it because uh, it's hard to make everyone happy in that regard. It's not a perfect science to begin with. And two is uh, some people who, who believe that they need maybe a little bit of filling here or there. If you do it, then they, they might feel that it's overcorrected. 
there's too much filler. And then you have to put something to dissolve it. And then you've dissolved too much. And then you have to put more in. So by the time you go back and forth like this, uh, you, you realize maybe they're never going to be happy with that. Maybe this is a manifestation of a deeper issue. That, that they need to address. So we try to address it early as a clinician and maybe even uh, tell the patients, you know what, maybe this is not the right treatment for you. Let's uh, focus on something else. Or maybe you need to see someone else. You know, that's brilliant. Years ago, I was on a panel with Jerry Morse. Remember Morse, right? Yeah. I was speaking as a psychologist. He was doing plastic surgery and we were talking about body dys, what I call body dysmorphic disorder. And so you would have a, a woman coming in and she wants a rhinoplasty or she wants to have a breast augmentation. And, and what I found in my clinic is as a result of this, she can't fit into a normal dress because upstairs, I mean, you know, she might be size 40 on top and at the bottom she's a size four so it becomes a problem you know but not just with fitting but what i was pointing out i don't know if you found this too is once you start picking on one area of your body you're never content it's got to be another and another and another and you're right because when you do that you end up in trouble as a clinician you know because it's all your fault it isn't mine uh, and it's yeah, you, you, end up, you, end up, you end up in trouble uh, individually with that patient, but also your reputation, because in a way, you know, the, the patient is a walking billboard for you as well. And, you know, we often say, well, who did that to this, you know, so there, there comes in the certain ethics of when, when do you stop and, and should you even take this patient on? That's a tough call, though, don't you think? I mean, I, I think the be the beginning is just to screen them for quote-unquote normalcy, to ask yourself if this is an issue or not. I know in my clinic in Edmonton, I had a woman who was furious with her plastic surgeon because he'd done a rhinoplasty three times. Because when he did the first time, she didn't like it. She did, he did a second, he did a third time. And now she was seeing me for help because she felt she had no more faith in him. But what I was trying to get her to look at was acceptance of who she is versus what's on the outside. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we need we need good help in that regard in the psychology department. The other thing uh, is in our training programs, we're starting to recognize this whole filtering process earlier now. So when I was training, we never really thought about this. We just thought about the medical aspect and what we can do and the different technologies we have. But now we're, we're saying whether patients are actually good candidates for it or not, you know. So one big thing is uh, I teach my students that uh, we're not here to cure their disease or to, to cure their, their look, we're there to make them happy. Really, that is the end result. So even if you had the worst disease imaginable, psoriasis, but it's not bothering you, as long as it's not going to kill you and you've, you've reached a point that it's improved, maybe that's it. That's it. You know, as long as you're happy, we're usually happy. You don't need to actually clear the person. So that that's one thing. The other one is um, what are some of the flags or red flags to, to determine that you maybe you shouldn't treat a person? Uh, the big one is doctor shopping. So we have patients who come and they they say, I've seen, you know, 10 doctors before. Nobody was able to help me, but we hear you're our savior, you know, and we want you, you have a good reputation. We want you to do it personally for me. Uh, and in those cases, it's a big red flag because you're right now a hero, but you can drop to a zero just like that. You know, so yeah. we, we have to assess these things. And, and now we're, we're learning how to do that a little bit more. So more from psychologists. It's a hard one, though. It's a tough call. 
because you want to help everyone, but you know there is going to be that fallout at some point, and it's hard to know when that's going to happen. You know, they yeah, especially young people. I mean, uh, the younger uh, people who are graduating, you know, they're they're new, and you know, usually they're in debt, and uh, you know, often these things are paid paid for out of pocket. So it's hard to say no when if somebody's willing to pay for it. Um, but it's not worth it. I tell you, you know, at the end of the day, if it's the wrong patient, uh, it, it ends up costing us a lot more. And really, you're not helping them at the end of the day. So who was it who said it wasn't it Dalai Lama who said, want what you have, not need what you want? I believe so. That's right. And, you know, those kind of things should be mandatory teaching. I think you should be teaching our residents you know? <laughs> <laughs> we to bring you in. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate your insights and your candor and what you've shared with us as to uh, dermatology and how it makes us feel good. And at times, I guess it can be a heartbreaker for you as well when you have to deal with someone with the bad news that this is cancer. Yeah, that that can always be difficult. I mean, the, the great thing is that um, technology has really improved. So, so nowadays, it's amazing what we can do. I mean, we always think of technology as being hardware, like iPads and computers and so forth. But it's also medicines. And we have medicines these days that that can do remarkable things, you know, not just with um, uh, internal medicine, but also external. So mm -hmm. people who have really bad uh, 90 plus percent coverage of eczema, we can treat them in record time that we never were able to. And the same thing for cancers, you know, when you used to have a melanoma, it was a death sentence. And, you right. know, we tell people, you know, you better better go ahead and plan your affairs. Now, uh, it's not necessarily true. We, we have very targeted treatments that can stop the, the cancers from spreading. So uh, to the point that people don't die usually from those cancers anymore. So it, it's a little bit easier in that regard. But you're right. I mean, nobody likes to hear that word. Uh, it, it's lo a loaded word with a lot of uh, bad history. And so uh, there is a, a, a gentle, delicate way. Some people are better at, at uh, doing it, de delivering the bad news uh, compared to others. And we we try to teach that earlier in our training programs as well. That's great. Are there any other words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners, Dr. Rao? I, I think, you know, um, my, my I'm very blessed to be in this profession where, where we can um, uh, uh, connote improvement. Um, but I think that all clinicians should be very aware of uh, people's psychology and some have a better bed bedside manners than others. The ones that are successful in dealing more with, um, uh, I, I guess, emotions uh, as in dermatology might be a little bit better suited to it. Um, but I think all, all physicians need a little course in, in bedside manners. And I, I do believe that the newer generation is better at doing that tradition than the traditional um, approach, which was very paternalistic and, and not very collaborative with the patient. But things are changing. And I actually feel very positive about the, the medical community at large. Yes, you know, Bayer's actually had a book out, uh, Talk Like a Doc. And, and in it, it was teaching interns how to communicate with their patients, forgetting the top-down mentality, let's go into compliance to get them to comply with you. And that was good. But I want listeners to, did you notice what Dr. Rao did just now, everyone? I was very impressed. He was practicing gratitude. And that's something that is so important if you want to get on the highway to happiness. You need to be grateful. Another thing he's taught us today is humility. 
And I appreciate your sharing those things with us. Well, you're so sweet, Joan. No, I, absolutely. You know, the other thing is um, when, when we, we see this in, in medicine where a patient isn't happy with one doctor and they'll disparage that physician to another physician, you know, and so they'll, they'll come with multiple opinions and they say, well, you know, why are you here? Oh, I wasn't happy with this person or that uh, he did this and that it was totally wrong or inappropriate. And, you know, that, that I think it's our role to, um, we have a community, you know, community of healthcare workers. And, you know, I, I usually tell patients, I'm sorry to hear that. So I acknowledge them, but, you know, I wasn't there, but I do know the person that you're talking to. I find it very surprising that they would do that or did this. And I, I can't speak for them, but I can tell you that they're an amazing physician. You know, I've interacted with them on many cases and the, my, my experience has always been very positive. Um, if I would urge you to maybe talk to them a little bit more about it, but one big tenet is try not to disparage our colleagues. I think we have to consider ourselves as a community and, and help. And unless of course, it's a very uh, blatant violation of, of something then, then that that's different. But overall, I think we, we need to stick together as healthcare providers. I think that ripples into the global community as well, that we need to look at not just ourselves, but we need to go beyond the ego and think of us colla- collaboratively moving as a group, right? In whatever field, but moving. Very much so. Especially in the face of the fact that I, I'm saying that we're facing six pandemics right now, but this the pandemic of the ego is the worst one of the lot, in which you just focus on yourself versus thinking of other people and how it might affect other people. So polarization comes into effect as a result of this. Yeah, I think that's very wise, you know, and, and I think the pandemic has also changed um, my field in many ways, you know, um, I'll give you one scientific uh, biological thing is that we are seeing more inflammatory conditions over the last two years that we never saw before um, as much. For example, eczemas are, are rampant, um, psoriasis, these type of conditions that involve the immune system, uh, where the immune system has been heightened because of global immunity. So people who who uh, had rashes before are now having worse rashes. People who never had rashes are now developing very sensitivities to uh, a number of different things. Um, people's self-esteem is is increased because now uh, fr- from being in hiding, they are now outwardly uh, showing themselves without masks. So we, we, our business is, is booming in some ways, but we have to be very cautious to think of their people's psychologies too. No, that's true, because what we have found is stats in the United States, and I assume for Canada too, is there's a 30% increase in anxiety and depression right now. And the quality of life has not increased. I didn't know it was so high, but that makes sense. Yeah, but whatever you had, in my field at least, Dr. Rao, whatever you had pre-morbidly, if you were depressed or anxious pre-morbidly, it was exacerbated by the pandemic. You know, so now people are experiencing the cave syndrome in which they are reluctant to engage in pre-pandemic behaviors, such as giving a person a hug, going to a fitness center because, you know, you, you know, you might, you might infect me. I don't want that, you know. So there's that. And then there's also, well, you know, my germaphobe patients are very happy with all of this, by the way, because they're telling me, you see, I told you all along, Nihal, they should have washed their hands. I was right. (laughs) You know, and the ones who are agoraphobic are equally thrilled with the pandemic. They, yeah, we should all stay inside. That's the way it should be. But leaving right. those small groups aside, looking at the big picture, we are looking at the phenomenon called languishing. 
following the pandemic. I don't know if you've seen it in your field as well, but I certainly with my patients, what's happening is it's a it's a wanting to engage and disengage at the same time, wanting yeah. to come close and go away. So the, it, it presents itself very much like depression, but it isn't. It's just exhaustion. Very, very interesting. You know, and the other thing we're noticing in, at least I see it in dermatology, pandemic is one. The second uh, trend is the social media um, uh, rise, you know, and, and so people want to look good for the social media, uh, on, they want to look good in, in front of a screen or behind the screen, but they, uh, also, uh, are, are not engaging as much, uh, especially young people with each other. Uh, and so they've let a lot of other conditions slide. So, uh, face up there, no problem. You know, that, that is, of course, an issue for them. They want to look great on camera, but, uh, they're ignoring the rest <laughs> of themselves. So I've noticed that too and and hopefully uh with a little bit of education that will change but have you noticed that the young people and i'm talking about 20 year olds are experiencing loneliness now in a way that they never did before very sad right yeah well you know the pandemic did cause that but in addition to that they're looking at our world our generation z and our millennials are saying why bother to bring a child into this world it's terrible and it's you know so they've got that piece going for them when i was going to school no one told me things like watch out for the environment be careful nowadays that's what our kids are, are being taught they're right. talking about the environment and think about the impact on them that's right Oh, I, I feel for young people these days, there's a lot of uh, pressures on them and a lot of them uh, manifested through their skin. You know, there's a lot of more cutting. Yes. Um, there's a lot more manipulation, scratching and irritation of things. There's a condition called perigo nodularis. Uh, if you saw these people, they would have uh, welts and, and excoriations uh, on their body caused by themselves, not caused by a disease process. It's all secondary to them scratching and manipulating their skin and and in some ways, punishing themselves uh, uh, for, for various internal uh, reasons. And in those cases, it's quite challenging. We can definitely help to improve the scarring and their skin, but we can't um, do too much about the attitude. Uh, that's where we need more time and we need assistance of, of good people like yourself. Hmm. Well, I think, Dr. Rao, I want to thank you on behalf of all of our listeners and also on behalf of myself. I've learned new things today. Thank you for giving us of your valuable time. You're so sweet, Joan. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm happy to come back anytime. Oh, don't say that because we will bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> what a delightful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. In regards to your wife. Bye-bye now. You. Thank you kindly. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining this discussion on happiness. We hope this helps to inspire you to lead a more joyful life. To dive deeper into the subject of happiness, be sure to check out Dr. Nihal's book, Happy is the New Healthy, available as an ebook or hardcover. For additional resources, visit our website at drnihal.com. Until next time, stay happy.